0: Everybody and welcome to East West Draftcast, your favorite podcast. I am Jeff, uh, one of your hosts. Uh, on the line, we have two callers. Caller number one is your co-host, Greg, my co-host, <laughs> Greg.
1: That's where I just yell my name.
0: Yep. And the other name to be yelled is
2: Spencer Harris, your favorite Menage a Pod buddy. That's the one.
0: Uh, Today we are talking Return to Ravnica. What a surprise. Uh, We have some analysis to talk about. We're probably going to talk about some specific spoiled cards. Uh, The entire spoiler is out at this point, so uh, we'll be talking about the interesting stuff. And uh, we also have a -a pick-a-card list, which I believe we will start with right now. Yeah, this is a Spencer Harris original.
2: Yeah, I actually made a pick card list this time. Um, so, first card in the list is uh, the Enchantment Stab Wound, and then the second card is the uh, uh, Blood Fray Giant. Okay, so
1: Blood Fray, Blood Fray Giant is uh, an uncommon creature for two colorless and two red. He's a 4-3. He has Trample and Unleash.
2: That He does. And Stab Wound, what does Stab Wound do? Stab Wound's enchanted creature gets minus two, minus two for a black and two colorless, and then his controller loses two life <clears throat> a turn if uh, the creature doesn't, you know, survives the Stab Wound. So
1: at the beginning of that creature's controller's upkeep, the player loses two life. The
2: player loses two life, correct, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. What do you think, Jeff?
0: I think that the Blood Fray Giant is better. I think it's a very solid, 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 solid creature. I mean, it, it almost feel, feels like rare in quality.
1: Yeah, I think I would take the creature, too, just because, I don't know, he seems hard to deal with. If you yeah. bump him up to a 5-4, I guess the auger Spree still gets him, if you oblige the auger him. Augur Spree still gets him, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But, but cards like Stab Wound don't get him, and... No. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I'll I'll take the, the creature at this point, although I do think it's close.
2: So how much of an extra little bump do you guys give Stab Wound if... It's like, if you, if you can't get the creature with a minus two, minus two, you can kind of, you know, neuter them pretty good, and then they, you know, start bleeding every turn. I mean, how important is that to you?
1: I think that's kind you of know, irrelevant, because you know, I feel maybe. like if they have a creature that's enchanted with this that isn't dead, they'll just chump block with it immediately.
0: Yeah. Um, that is a good point. That is very true. It's no lust for war, although it does make me think of lust for war. But what well, is lust for, for war, war, right, Jeff? Nothing.
2: Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> okay, blood giant or zankev locusts, which is a three-three flying for six, and it has a scavenge for. I don't remember how much. I think five.
1: Now, Jeff, I'm not sure if you noticed this, but the first time we saw this card on the spoiler, it did not have flying.
2: Yeah. Was
0: now, now saying. it does.
1: It makes a lot more sense. I was like, why is <laughs> yeah. this uncommon three three for six have Scavenge for four? Like, how is that a good card? Like, right? It really, it was bugging me. And then
2: since That's then, a they've lot updated, more sense now. updated Great, but, it with flying. The, the Locust card was bugging you. <laughs> uh,
0: you guys are bugging. Shut up. Um, I will still take the Giant.
1: Yeah, I'll still take the Giant too. I just think a four drop is that much more efficient than a six drop, even if maybe the flyer is a little bit more powerful when you factor in scavenge. I think I'd just rather okay. have the guy I'll be able to cast every game. So
2: yeah, you don't you like know. the fact that you can you know, get extra value off him. I'm not a big uh, proponent of the fact that I think winning Unlimited involves around getting the most value from your cards. And if you can do two powerful things, you know, create a 3-3 flyer, and then make you know, your, your next second biggest dude even bigger, I mean, I I think that's a pretty good value. It's better than just a a camp block
0: 5-4. I'm in the camp of, or I'm moving into the camp of, that is not the case. Like, value is not what wins drafts.
2: It's tempo. I totally disagree. I think all of magic is about value.
0: It's, well, it's about tempo to me. Uh, The fact (laughs) that your 4-mana spell is a 5-power trampling creature is fucking crazy. I mean, by the time they get the Locust out, it's like you're just destroying with your giant monster on the ground. I mean, that's
2: that's the distinction, right? Is the the 5-3 for 4 is going to have such better tempo than the card that's going to have much better value but a lot worse tempo. And it's, you know, which, you know, side of the spectrum do you fall on? Do you like, you know, having the potential for getting greater value later, or do you like the, the potential for having tempo? And I'm not sure what the right answer is, but I think they're both very important. I just personally feel that the value is more important.
1: I mean, it depends on what else is in your deck, right? The Locusts will be sure. good if, if you have a blood Bloodfray Giant also. I mean, these cards play well together. You have an, a yeah. turn four <clears throat> drop and a turn six drop. It's true. But when you're putting the cards head-to-head, head, for me it comes down to kind of just efficiency in general, and oftentimes like efficiency ties itself into... Tempo and it also ties itself into being a value spell. Like,
3: yeah.
1: the Locust is efficient because you play it, and even if they kill it, you get to use it again, like at a lower cost. The Giant is efficient because when you play it, it's just better than most other cards that are going to be played at that time of the game. And I value that a little bit higher, right? As opposed to the Locust, where some games, like, you might not get to six mana, or when you do, the 3 3 on its own, like, might be just enough to win you the game like the scavenge is kind of irrelevant at that point or i I can envision games where that's the case where you'll either not be able to scavenge him because you'll need to be using your mana for something else like committing another threat to the board or you won't need to scavenge because the three three is enough to win you the game anyway and i think any game where that's the case the five four trampler would probably do the same thing at a much cheaper mana cost
2: yeah this is true Okay, so both you guys both are going agree with the giant. So either would you giant, would you take the locus, Spencer? I'd probably take the locus. I think evasion okay. is more important, and I think that while <clears throat> well, the giant is is an awesome card, awesome tempo card, and I'd be happy to first pick it. I think for it to like really be a backbreaker, you have to be able to support it really well and curve into it, maybe with a two drop or a three drop, and then mm-hmm. be able to support it with burn. So that you know involves getting pretty saucy hands, and then if you're getting a saucy hand, you're probably looking good either way. So. Um, I think the locust. I think any three-three flyer for you know with upside for you know five or six and limited is has the potential to go all the way just by itself. So I just kind of like locust upside in that regard. Okay, I think they're both very good, but yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to take the giant. Okay, so uh, but for a giant and for you guys, locust for me versus seek the horizon, which is. Uh, oh. a, Green and three colored us, and you search your library for three basic lands and put them into your hand.
0: Uh, I'm still going to take the giant, but I, I think that Seek the Horizon is one of those cards that maybe after I draft this enough, I'm just
2: taking that first pick every time. <laughs> Could be kind of a house. Depends on how crazy you want to get with how many colors are in your deck, right?
0: Right, right. I think I'd
1: still rather have either creature, but... I think you're right. It could come down to the fact that after drafting this format once, I'll know that the mana fixing really is that much more important. The problem with Seek the Horizons is that it's just so slow. Like you don't get to oh, fix yeah. until turn four, and what you really want to be doing in a set like this is fixing on the early turns.
2: Yeah.
1: And then playing out big powerful spells
2: after that. So Street streamlining yourself.
1: Exactly. And the dual lands do that. Creeper Vine does that. And even the the key runes do that to an extent has three drops that can tap the turn they come into play. Like mm-hmm. Seek the Horizons. If you're playing that on turn four, you're not actually going to see any benefit from it until turn five. And I mean, at that point, it's good, because you're not going to miss a land drop. You're going to get to seven mana if you survive. So I think the card's powerful. I just think it might be a little slow. Mm-hmm.
2: So how slow do we think the format is going to be overall? Do you think it's going to be you know something... I mean, I think there's a lot of... Based on the fact that there's so many... Double casting costs of a specific color gold cards, and uh, the fact that it is a multicolor set, you just kind of have to put it on the slower end of what the set potentially is. It's not going to be blazingly fast, I don't think.
0: Yeah, uh, we so, we I mean, talked about that. How it will be, it will probably be slow, but there's there's no such thing as like a a slow set, slow set anymore. Yeah. They just there's always going to be some kind of aggressive thing you can be doing.
1: Now, how consistently you are able to do that remains to be seen, especially in this format that we haven't played yet. Yeah, and we're going to get to some of that analysis later with this spreadsheet that Jeff made, like that talks about the mana curves of each uh, guild. But yeah. until then, yeah, I, I'm going to lean towards the format being probably just somewhere in the middle. Like it doesn't seem like it does seem slowish, but mm-hmm. it does. I think there are enough cards here that will allow you to be aggressive, particularly in Red black and in black green. There are some really efficiently
2: costed creatures there. So do you yeah. think it's worth noting with Seek the Horizon that, like you said, Greg, you're, you're guaranteed to hit seven land at one point. How important is that to, to kind of ensure yourself that you're going to be able to hit those big six and seven drop Salenzia dudes later on? That you're not going to stall out in six and then have you know a dead uncommon creature in your hand. Is is that something that's you know worth noting on that card?
0: Yeah, for sure, definitely. Yeah, I think that's the biggest. The, the thing I like about it the most, like, cards that fetch up, like, a land are are completely different from this card. You know what I mean? That just do one. Yeah. It's like, this is a very different thing that this thing is doing. Like It's, it's
1: fixing and it's ramping.
0: Yeah, well, it's not actually ramping, well, but it's, yeah, but it, it, kind it's of is because, it kind of is because getting to seven mana on turn seven is not something that almost any draft deck can really do, but it's
2: it's making sure that you can. Again, so. I can see myself getting a pack three or, or late in pack two, and having really greedy before that, and just picking like a really scattered four color deck, and then opening up you know a bomb or really solid removal, and seek the horizon in pack three, and just having to sacrifice some more powerful card to first pick seek the horizon just because you, you kind of have to. Yep. Yeah. For sure. So. What are you, who picked someone pick C Horizon? Does someone are we still no, no. on Giant? I think I'm
1: still on the Giant. Would you take the Horizons over the Flyer
2: Spencer? Um like I said, I, I mean I think if I was just desperate for fixing in like a three or four color deck, I certainly would. But if I was looking good in you know a solid Rakdos deck or Bogari deck, I would take the locust for sure. Okay. So, um Blood Giant or Jace? Woof. Jace,
1: please. Yeah, I'll take the Jace as well. And I don't—I I know you hate it when I say this, but I don't think it's that close. <laughs> oh, I hate it when you say it. I just think it's your catchphrase. Yeah.
3: <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, it's, it, it can't be close. I planes—I—I I can't think of a Planeswalker in Limited. No, that's not true. Chandra <laughs> Blaze was not good in Limited, but uh, there's pretty tibble. much... Oh, yeah, Tibble, tibble
2: too. Shark <laughs> sure. on the map. All right,
0: well, we're coming up with all kinds
2: of...
1: Poor red. Exactly. They're all red. They're all red planeswalkers too. Yeah.
2: The most recent Liliana was, I mean, she wasn't bad, but she wasn't awesome. Right. She was just like a removal spell. A yeah, removal, but this, this... Jace is, uh,
0: yeah, he's he's solid.
1: Just impacts a limited game in such a significant way with that plus one ability. Yeah. To like tick up to five loyalty right away and shrink all your opponents' creatures,
2: is pretty yeah. strong. I was worried about so doing. Jason, this as far as plane planeswalkers go, limited, it's obviously not you know the best one like we just said. But I was curious to know if it was overpowering for this list of uncommons. But I don't know. I don't think it's. I would disagree with you, Greg. I don't think it's you know. I think it's closer than than you think.
1: I don't know. He could dig you out of a lot of holes, or just put the like just seal a game for you. Yeah. When you cast him, like okay.
2: four mana is pretty reasonable. Anyway, yeah, let's move on. So, Jace or. Rakdos Ragamut, which is a 3 3 lifelink haste for 4. Talk about tempo.
1: Rakdos Ragamut. Yeah.
2: Uh,
1: yeah. I'm still going to take the Jace. I can't really imagine taking many cards, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. Over I, that. I agree. I do like the. I was calling it a Rage Mutt, but.
2: Rage I Mutt? like
0: Ragamut better. Is it, yeah. it Ragemut or is
2: it Ragamut?
1: I don't know. It's probably like, Ragemut, but I like Ragamut I like better, Ragamut. too. <laughs> Ragemut? I don't
0: know. It reminds uh, me I, I of guess... Ragamuffin.
1: Ra- Ragemut would have a hyphen, right? Uh, it's definitely Ragamut. Yeah, it is. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think this is actually the worst card so far. I'd rather so... have the Scavenge Guy, the Giant, the Mana Fixer, and Jace.
2: So, you know... You give a lot of weight to haste. I mean, I think haste is pretty underrated as far as a keyword ability. It's, I mean, Jeff was just talking about how tempo is so important. And haste, a, creature, a big creature with haste, especially the one with a life length, that can swing your life around like that. I mean, that could be a serious game changer.
1: I, th- I think he's good. I think all of these cards are good. I just think that this is the low one on the totem pole for me. You
2: can also kill Jace with it, because obviously they don't know it's coming. Uh, it's going to be a 2-3. It's only two damage, yeah. <laughs> Unless they plus it the turn before. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Either way, is Jace gonna kind of it's thrown off the uh, pH of this list here? Is we think we're just gonna go Jace all the way?
1: Maybe. I mean, I'll, I, I could, could, we'll I could still Tiger. say that
2: I would take the the giant over the sky. Let's let's do like Jace slash Giant for the rest of them. Do you guys take the okay. the, the Ragamutt over the Giant? I would no, not. No, would not. Okay. So the next one is either Jace slash Giant versus Augur Spree which is the uh, Rakdos three-mana cards that gives something plus four, minus four.
1: Yep. I'm going to take Augur Spree over the Giant, but not over Jace.
0: Yeah, I think I'd do the same. The removal in this set is very... It's pretty poor. Pretty bad, and it's, like, the only, like, really solid one, so...
2: How do you guys think this card compares to a card like Sudden Death that give minus four, minus four for three? And forget about split second for a second, but... uh I actually think that the plus four, minus four is better because, I mean, like you said in the um, spoiler podcast last week, you have the option of maybe buffing one of your creatures if it has five toughness, which the minus, minus four to the power with Sudden Death is kind of irrelevant, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it goes both ways. You might randomly be able to get this auger Spree in on offense, but you could also use Sudden Death or a card like that to maybe shrink a guy in combat to trade, or not trade, but like to be eaten by one of your blockers. Or just to like kind of fog a creature, like a 5-5, five five, if you needed to in a race. So I think they That's both true. have their applications in different yeah. ways. So I, I think it's... I can't really say which one's better. I'd, I'd probably actually rather have minus 4, minus 4.
2: Okay. Um, Augur Spree or Jace versus uh, Skymark Rock. It's a 3-3 flyer for 4, and uh, you can detain a creature with power 2 or less when you attack with it.
1: What, what mana colors is it? Is it it's blue-green? It's
2: Zorius. It's white, white, blue, white two, blue two yeah. It's white white blue.
0: No, I... no. White blue. Yeah,
2: it's white blue two colors.
0: Yes. All okay. right.
2: Glad we agree.
1: You can defend or you can return target creature defender play defending player controls with toughness two or less to its owner's hand.
2: Yeah, so it's, it's not to out It's, bounce, it's, it's bouncing. No, okay. it bounces. Never mind. That's almost better.
1: So it bounces a small creature that your opponent controls. Yeah. I'm still gonna take Augur Spree over this card for now.
0: I don't think I I think I would take the Rock. Really? Why do you why do you say that? Because I smell what the Rock is cooking. What's the Rock
1: <laughs> What's the Rock cooking?
0: Uh he's cooking some like really fucking annoying attacking bird. Uh I mean it's just like I can see this card <laughs> being so absurd against, like, tokens or, um... Against the little tokens, yeah. Yeah, I guess there are a lot of 3-3 tokens. But, but, uh, I mean, just the fact that... I don't know, it's it's essentially a removal spell. It's like, it almost feels like a, um... Dungeon Geist, kind of, because... for But only for power, Toughness 2 or less, you know? Because, like you're going to attack with it every turn. And so if they keep replaying it, like it's just going to keep getting bounced and doing nothing.
1: Something else to keep in mind with this card is that when it does attack, most creatures that could block it, most flyers, are going to be... Like, most flyers are small two or less toughness, so he'll be able to clear the way a little bit. I, I still think I'd rather have the removal spell in this format because, like you said, the removal does not seem very good. But, yeah. I don't know. I, it's pretty close.
2: I mean, the you power like... level for, for three three flyers is that a five mana three three flyer is you know a very early pick, and a four mana three three flyer with upside. I mean, by that reasoning, there's not a lot of cards you should take over it. But I suppose premier removal is one of those cards.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, we haven't played with these cards, so I'm just speculating. But I, at this point, if I went into a draft blind, like I would be doing at the pre-release or something, I'd take the removal spell and just see see how that worked out. I, I could understand that this might creep past. Augur Spree in the pick order as we play more?
0: I might. I, I mean, I am saying I would take the Rock, but I, I might take the Augur Spree to start because I'm more interested in that color combination. But I think that the Rock is the better card.
1: Okay.
2: Okay, so Jeff's Skymark Rock and Greg's Augur Spree versus Street Spasm, which is the uh, Earthquake with Overload for. Oh, yeah.
0: It's uncommon, right? It's uncommon, yes.
2: Yeah. I will be taking that, please. Streetgasm?
0: Streetgasm.
1: <laughs> so let's say you want to deal two damage to all your opponent's non-flyers. You have to pay red, red, and then four colorless. It's a lot of mana. And for mm-hmm. three damage to each of them, it's red, red, and six colorless. Yeah, That's eight, eight mana. Man. So yep. you're never really going to do more than two or I shouldn't say never, but you're most of the time only going to do one or two to all of your opponent's creatures. Yep. Without flying, or you're just going to use it without overloading. As a yeah, kind of it's a bad straight,
0: fireball. Uh, What's what's that called? Uh, it's a the volcanic geyser heat, no. heat ray
1: for non flyers
0: Heat ray, that's the one.
1: Yeah.
3: Heat
1: ray. I'm probably taking the spasm as well. Yeah, I am.
2: Heat ray is the first pick.
1: Yeah, and this is. A worse heat ray, but has upside, of, has upside of the overload. Yeah, yeah you might relevant.
2: occasionally get in those games where you're just mana flooded, and you get to, you know, 10 mana, and then what's this one card that's going to save me from dying next turn? Oh, it's a Street Gasm. Yeah. Okay, right. so yeah, that's Street Spasm versus the last card on my list, which is Civic Saber. S- which, what card is that? Civic Saber is an artifact equipment that costs one colorless mana, an equipped quick creature gets plus one, plus zero for each of its colors, and it costs one to equip.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I will keep the, what I
2: just said, the street chasm. Uh, I yeah. think the Saber's nuts. Saber's pretty good.
1: Most most of the time it's, it's going to be a bone splitter. Most of the time? Yeah. Is that true? Well, I mean, any two-color creature. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's like There's half the, half the creature's in the format.
2: Um I actually wrote this down cuz I wanted to talk about this. I How really like this card. It no yeah. it's
0: it's good yeah but uh bone splitter I
2: don't know I mean, saying just a bone splitter isn't
1: really I mean, and that There are card. there are no three color creatures so the most it's going to give is plus 2 yeah. plus 0 right?
0: It can't yeah. it can't give plus 3 plus plus 0 in this set.
1: In this set. Okay. So yeah okay. I'm still taking street spasm. I think that there's more opportunity for card advantage with that card, but this is this could be a very good piece of equipment did, did you actually have the numbers on how many uncommon or how many multicolored creatures there are versus monocolored creatures spencer
2: I don't I just have that there is at the time I didn't have a complete spoiler I had like a ninety five percent spoiler, so I wrote down there was ninety five gold cards, which is thirty six percent of the set so uh-huh. however many of those are creatures, so it's probably going to be something around a quarter of the set are gold creatures. All right, interesting. I mean, yeah, that doesn't necessarily like mean that. a quarter of your deck is going to be gold creatures. Though you could just you could first pick this and then just you know draft Ragamuffin Rust right. butts the rest of the game.
1: Yeah, I think that the fact that it's colorless makes it a good first pick because you can kind of build around it. But the Street Spasm, if you want it to be, can only cost one red, so it's pretty splashable. You could play that in any color combination, I think, too.
2: Yeah, but. Uh, an art of a red card versus an artifact. Yeah,
1: I just—it's only a single red, and if you end up in red, it's going to be very
2: good for you. So, I just think—I think you guys talked about this a long time ago on one of your throwback podcasts about when you were talking about Bone Splitter. Is I think it was a very good point was that a um, lot of the value in equipment comes from your investment, and what the equipment actually does isn't necessarily as important as how much mana you're spending to do it. And if you're spending the least. I guess not the least, but close to the least possible mana you can to do something that, you know, the potential to give something plus 2, plus 0 and change it around for 1 mana every turn. It's like your return on your investment is just so great that you know, it's hard to pass up a card like that. Like, if it costs 2 mana to equip, I think it'd be much, much, much worse.
1: Yeah, it's nice because it allows you to use all your mana every turn. Like, if you have 1 mana left over, you're like, okay, and I'll be able to equip this here, which is yeah. sweet. But, I mean, you're not going to be doing that every turn, but yeah, I don't we- know. You can trade it
2: around, you can swing a guy with it, and then it's like, okay, now that this guy's dealt you two extra damage, I'll spend this one mana to re-equip it to my blocker. Yeah.
1: Is that is that the card you would have taken off this list, Spencer? Is that why you saved it for last?
2: Um, I tried to do it in order of how good I thought things were, but I just assembled them real quickly. So after talking about it for a while, I'm not sure I agree with my order, but I think in a vacuum I do like the saber the best. I don't know. I just think that a one-mana equipment that quips for one, that does something really good, is hard to pass up. Mm-hmm. All right.
0: I think that I know you probably will be upset with me, but I think this is one of the worst cards on the list.
2: But, worst cards on the list? I mean, time will tell. It's yeah. fully tied to how many multicolored creatures you're gonna. be Yeah, able to yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it depends do, on your deck. But uh, do you guys think this card,
2: in context of the set, is better than Trusty Machete? No. Mm, no. Probably not. The toughest Trusty Machete boost, costs, costs two to cast, right? No, 1 to, no, cast, one two to cast 2 to equip. And 2 to equip? Oh yeah, that's much worse than 1 to equip. I mean, I'd rather have it cost 2 to yeah, cast no. and 1 to equip than the other way around. But plus
1: 2 plus 1 on anything is better than plus 1 plus 0 on half your creatures and plus 2 plus 0 on the other half. I, just... I don't think
2: it'll, it'll be like that, though. I think you'll just have... You'll, you'll, I mean, if you get this card, you can be picking it early, and then you can just pick a bunch of multicolored creatures. Yeah. yeah I,
0: mean, then, I mean, you're not always
1: going to be able to pick it early, though.
0: If you're picking a bunch of multicolored creatures, that means you're going to be in like four plus colors. And then you're not going to, like the tempo that you want off of this card won't be there because you'll be, be stretching your mana to try to play all these different multicolored creatures. So like you won't be able to play the creatures to put the thing on. That's a pretty aren't, good
2: point. Aren't there multiple two ones for one hybrid mana in this set? Aren't is there like two Savannah Lions for one or oh, something just, like that? Just,
1: just one just of them. them.
2: There's one, there's just this Lensia guy.
1: There's some 1 2s and 1 1s, but yeah, otherwise oh, they're, all, they're all. All right. Nope, just tried Militant.
2: Okay, well, that's my whole pick card list. So I guess uh, Street Spasm was a winner? For me, it was. Well, I mean, Jace,
1: was, Jace was, but yeah, Street Spasm yeah. of the other cards, of the Uncommons. Uncommons, yeah, yeah,
2: too. It was common on there, wasn't there? Oh, yeah, um, Stab Wound. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. They were all
0: good cards, though. And I will like them all in my deck.
1: So let's kind of move into this discussion of the uh, Return to Ravnica analysis spreadsheet that Jeff and I put together. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll link to this in the show notes so you can follow along as you listen, if you happen to be listening in front of a computer. But basically what what we're looking at is a breakdown of all of the cards in the set at common and uncommon, or is this all just commons?
0: Uh, These are just commons, the, the ones that are broken down there. I, we just have the, like, uncommon list at the bottom.
1: Okay, so it's all of the commons in the set, and the playable ones are listed in black writing. The fringe playables or sideboard cards are written in red, so you can kind of see, like, where the good cards fall in each color and in each guild. And then uh, we break it down by mana cost for each guild as well with spells and creatures. And then towards the bottom, we have a little bit of analysis on how the keywords break down, like how many instances of each keyword show up at each commonality or or rarity. Excuse me, commonality. (laughs) Jesus. So, like, for example, there are three common detain cards for Azorius, and there are four uncommons and two rares and no mythics, and they're all playable uh, in our initial estimation. Uh whereas like if you look at Is It, there are two playable common overload cards, three uncommon playable ov- overload cards, uh two rares, but then there are a bunch of fringe slash unplayable ones. There are two commons, one uncommon and one rare that you're just not gonna play in limited. So okay. like right, right there you can see that a lot of what you're getting from is it is not gonna be as relevant in limited as what you would get from Azorius. Just based on the keyword. Um, Yeah. And, I don't know, is there anything you want to start off with on this, Jeff? Maybe just kind of talking about the common cards and how they break down on the converted mana cost scale?
0: Sure. Um, So we have, like, the little graph of the the mana costs. um, And I I tried to, like, mark the creatures and spells so you can see, like... Because spells aren't really... Like, they have a bad mana cost, but they're not really that cost, you know? You don't play them that turn, usually. Um, but yeah, if you look at the, the, the mana costs, um, there's not a ton of two drops, like uh, other s- recent sets we've dealt with. Um, so I do think that that speaks for a slower mm-hmm. format. Um, and then you can look at the guilds, and which ones will have kind of the kind of trouble um, with their uh, costs. And to me, it looks like um, Rakdos and Golgari both uh, have kind of a weird spread of, or not a weird spread, but um, not a huge amount of great uh, early drops.
1: Now, can you clarify something for me here, Jeff?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: The cards you have listed. So let's looking at the Golgari uh, mana curve graph that you built mm-hmm.
3: here. Mm-hmm.
1: You have four cards at the two converted mana cost level. Yes. And they're all, um, excuse me, they're all creatures. But are, <laughs> did you include mono black and mono green cards yes, in there? Yeah. Yes. So there are only four cards that are black and/or green that cost two mana that are playable and limited at common. Yes. Okay. I mean, that speaks order. volumes. Yeah. The fact that there are... I mean, I guess there are only one more in the other uh, guilds, though. Yeah,
0: but one more is a lot for a common. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's
1: going to show up a lot, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, the other thing is, they, they're they pretty heavy on their uh, their five and six drops. Um, with three five dro- or I'm looking at Golgar and Rakdos right now. Three five drops and two six plus drops for both, which are, I mean, at common like how how often in drafts do you are you looking at like a common five drop and thinking you want to play that? Like usually your five drops are your uncommons that are like solid, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. I feel like the, a lot of those cards will just be in your sideboard a lot. So I, f- I'm thinking that that the the guilds that share black are are going to have A little bit of harder time finding playables.
2: I think more recently in recent sets, there's been some common five drops that have been, you know, decent, you know, 18th, 19th picks. There were the um, in M13 the red five. I don't remember his name. The fire elemental, fire elemental, and then the um, I guess that was a six drop. I'm thinking of the worm, the five six worm. Those were a couple M13s that was common. But uh, I mean, those were all cards that I was happy to play.
0: Yeah, but I don't know. It just like, Memories of Innistrad, uh, it's like the 5-drop slot is always so flooded. And, like, even... I mean, because you don't want a lot. You only want a few. And so
1: so as players, how can we try to make this low-drop liability not a problem? I Because when I look at these graphs, if I look at Rakdos, and I see that there are only 4, 2 Converted Manicost cards, but then I look right down below it, is it, and they have seven total, including five creatures, that makes me think that those are two guilds I want to pair up together. Right? Right. Because they're going to... it's going to fill in that two-drop spot on the curve for Rakdos. Is uh, it? Yeah. <laughs> Man, that joke. It's going to keep ne- coming.
2: Never yeah. gets old. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Meanwhile, Golgari would have to would try to pair with Selesnia for the most part, because they share a color in green, and green, and Selesnia has a lot of, uh, or has five common two drops, all of which are creatures. Yeah. So. And a one drop. Yeah, whereas if you might think you want to pair Golgari and Rakdos together, but then you're looking at, uh, two fewer, or even three fewer, two converted mana cost spells. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're gambling at that point, And you're going to be really big at the three drop spot.
0: Right. We should we should mention uh, for those people that haven't played a multicolor set, um, like like this, you you probably will end up in three colors almost every single draft. Like it's it's not like I remember first drafting Ravnica. I was kind of a, a scrub, not not very good at this thing. I mean Ravnica was when I f- first started getting good, but uh, I remember thinking like, oh, are there these guilds? I will pick one and that will be my guild, you know, and uh, it's just not the case. Like you want, you want more uh, versatility. I guess is the word.
1: Yeah, and you're usually going to bleed into one of the colors that also has a guild that shares colors with your kind of main guild. So mm-hmm. Golgari and Rakdos go together because they both have black. Rakdos and Isek go together because they both have red, etc.
2: Um, we Greg, actually, you were talking about earlier before we started the podcast about how some of the guild combinations kind of fit together better than other guild combinations, like, beyond just their color.
1: Yeah, and I actually ha- put a little bit of that on the spreadsheet as well. If you scroll down almost to the bottom, uh, I have a little section on guild pairings where we talk about the, the most common pairings, i.e. the ones that share a color. So, like, Azorius and Selesnya is one of them. Uh, and we say that, one. like, we talk about the strengths and the weaknesses of each of, each of these pairings. And what I liked about that pairing in particular was that you're going to have detain plus big creatures from your a, yeah. and, and swarms of creatures as well. So you're going to be able to take out your opponent's blockers and just get in there with lots of big dudes. Um, yep. It, it also is like the most defensive color. It has good blockers cause it, it has white, blue and green. Like those are always typically the best toughness creatures in magic. Right. right. Uh, the, the weakness in that one, that I noted was that there are no blue cards that make creature tokens for Celestia to populate. And yeah, also that weird. there'd be less removal in those two colors inherently than the colors that don't have red or black. So, Absolutely, yeah. Um, is there anything else you guys can think of as far as that pairing that might be a strength or a weakness? White, white, green.
0: Uh, I like how many like I like their curves both of their curves are are on the the lower end I mean you look at Azorius and it's like they have one five drop and one six drop and the rest is just like two lots of twos and threes and I don't know I um and then you in Selesnya is kind of a similar way
1: so that might be the aggressive yeah combo I
0: mean and I mean with Detain I can see that being like the the deck that just explodes out of the gate and you're just trying to catch up the whole time.
1: Yeah. And you'd think that Rakdos would be the most aggressive color combo because it has that Unleash keyword. And because it is in a traditionally, yeah, like aggressive color combination of red black, but it might just be that the blue white green deck is where you actually want to be in that case. Now in, in that case, would you want to skew more towards Azorius or more towards Selesnya?
0: think you want to skew more towards um, the Zorius. I agree. uh, Flyers are awesome. Detain is awesome. I mean...
2: Yeah, I I mean, you can't can't place enough emphasis on how good evasion and flying is in in any form of limited magic, seal, or draft, and Azorius is, is the guild that, I'm guessing, has the most flying to it, so... I mean that is definitely that was my benefit I was gonna see between these two pairings was that Salencia has, you know, the big bodies on the ground that, you know, can choke things up and if you can get in, you know, one Skymark Rock or the three one Common Knight that uh, is uh an Azorius, I mean that yeah, could potentially just go go the distance.
1: Yeah, for sure. Okay. Do you guys want to talk about any of these other uh guild pairings? Sure. Uh, just, just go down the list.
2: Just go down the list. Yeah, yeah. just do
1: it. All right, so uh, the next one on the spreadsheet is Selesnya and Golgari paired together. So this seems like the grindiest combo you could play, absolutely, to me, in the sense where you are gumming up the ground not only with tokens but with just with big redundant creatures like the Scavenge creatures. Like even if you kill them once, they're still going to come back in the form of plus one plus one counters. And Populate has the opportunity or has the potential to kind of explode and create a bunch of dudes. And with that said, you're going to have a lot of creatures on the ground, it looks like. So the evasion seems limited, but I don't know, this combo seems good to me. It it also is worth noting that black, green is the color, is the other guild besides Celestia that makes the most creature tokens. So that plays well with uh Selesnya's populate mechanic.
2: I like this color combination because it kind of ties in what I was saying earlier, and it affords you the most chances to get value. And that obviously with uh, Gogari you can uh, scavenge and um, you know make those creatures better. And then on top of that, you can still populate and potentially get you know two creatures off one card, or you know it's one of the rare Selenzia card cases. You can you can you know populate every turn as an ability. I think the Guildmage does it, and then um, the rare leader or the mythic rare leader. And this affords you to like you know have the most impact on the board for you know expending the fewest resources and forms of cards from your hand as possible.
0: Yeah, I see this as the slowest deck probably. I mean Very it's slow, yeah. It's yeah. populate and scavenge are the two like yeah. really late, late game type step like the slow, grindy. Yeah. So uh, I I like it a lot. Like it's it I think this deck's probably gonna be the most fun
2: to play. If you, if you can get there, if you can survive long enough... It's this like, just gonna, that amount just gotta, of value you're getting is the yeah. same.
1: This is going to be that Defender Gate deck, probably. Yeah, it's, probably. It's got a lot of those cards. It's got Gate Creeper Vine, it's got the Ogre Jailbreaker, yeah.
2: and I think there's a White Wall that's pretty good, too. To, to my discredit, I always see cards and archetypes like this, things that have really powerful abilities for you know six mana... And I just think they're the bee's knees, and I end up doing it, and it just ends up being just just too slow. So that's kind of my like cautionary tale, is that I oftentimes overvalue decks like this.
1: I think this yeah. is the deck that's going to want that green wall that taps for mana the most. Oh, absolutely.
2: That, guy, that guy's good. What's that green, guy's like, What's
1: name? I don't. Oh, boy. It's going to take a while to learn all the names of the new cards. It always does. He taps uh, for X already. green
2: mana, too, does any For each
1: wall you have? Yeah, for yeah.
0: each wall. He's insane.
1: So this yeah. feels like the wall deck to me.
0: Yeah, it's uh, Axe Bane Guardian.
1: Axe Bane Guardian, yeah. So he's a high pick, I think, in this combination. Uh, next up, He's a high pick in general. But, yeah, he's a high pick in green. Uh, next up is Golgari and Rakdos. We talked about this a little bit. This is going to be the combo that has the least to do on the early turns. But if you can get to turns three and four, you're going to start throwing Haymakers. And yeah. The plus one plus one counters kind of play in an interesting way here. Like, for the pre-release, I like this combo a lot because you get that... Uh, your your promo card to play with is the one that doubles plus one, plus one counters when you put them on your creatures. And yeah. Unleash puts plus one, plus one counters on your creatures, so...
2: Real quick about Unleash, does the wording say it can't block if it has a plus one, plus one counter? Right, like if yeah. You, if you, so if you don't Unleash a creature and then you scavenge it later, it immediately can't block? Yes. Yep. It's worth noting.
1: So it's awkward and if you want it, to block... Awkward if you want to make your guy bigger and block, because it's not going to work. <laughs> but at the same time, it's it seems like if you can somehow get that critical mass of two drops in this color combination, like if you just prioritize those really highly and take them over cards that might be more powerful, but higher on the curve, you could end up with a really explosive deck and a really resilient, aggressive deck, which is good, because that's something that aggressive decks often lack, is resiliency.
0: I would love to get as many stories as we can at the pre-release about people who think they can block with their <laughs> non unleashed <laughs> guy that has plus on plus one counters on
2: counters. Unleash him.
0: It's yeah. going to happen so many times. It's,
1: it's, it's also worth noting that this is the best removal pairing, because they both oh, have yeah, black. Yeah.
2: black or red. How, how many... Um, there are no cards in the set that say destroy target creature, is that correct? Oh, no, there's that the... That is um, very go, incorrect. There's the go-for-the-throw.
0: There's... There's that. There's, there's, there's a rare that the, does it. Dread two rares
2: that do it. Nah, forget about rares. How many commons are uncommon?
1: Well, there's a white uncommon that says exile target creature. Yeah.
2: The, or a white common. white common. yeah. Yeah.
0: It costs there's six mana.
2: Arrest, there's there's no, um, what's the one from Zendikar that costs two black and a colorless and you destroy a target on black creature? Not just figure. Hideous End. There's no Hideous End no. type card. There's no, no. common... Destroyer exactly. creature. I mean, that'd be worth noting with this format is that a lot of the removal, will like um, Augur Spree, and then you know, there's uh, Stab Wound and some Burn. I mean, that all gets less effective when you scavenge and unleash your creatures. And the Absolutely. fact that there's yep. less Terra effects makes these cards better. Yep. Less Terra effects in the commons and uncommons.
3: Hmm.
1: Indeed. The other thing I, I wanted to mention with this pairing is that it doesn't have very much evasion at all. You're no. in the three worst of Asia
2: colors, so like, yep. you're gonna pound it out with big fatties on the ground, or you're gonna lose to Azuria's flying guys.
1: Yeah, or you're hopefully gonna have the removal to deal with the flyers or to clear the way for your ground
2: pounders. Um, there are some green um, like destroy target flyers spells. There's at least one common one, isn't there? There usually is. I think there is. I know <laughs> this, no this, this is a magic particles. set, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that that card becomes almost made deckable maybe in seal deck at least in this color combination just because that's what you're going to be so susceptible to and if you're like an mirror match and it's a dead card i think running that risk is going to be see i'd like to know what this name this card is i know it exists there's a but,
1: giant spider also which is going to be a high pick for this yeah deck. i mean
2: giant spider is always playable like any spider in green is usually playable but just like you know the um Whatever the you know, two mana destroy target flyer is going to be main deckable. I think I think it it it's the
1: Three. first card on the green list. Aerial preded, Predation, uh, okay. two colors and a green instant destroy target creature with flying. You gain two life.
2: Yeah, main deckable. sealed deck.
1: In seal deck, sure, I'll, I'll buy it. Uh, next up is mm-hmm. Rakdos and Is it paired together? So this seems like it could be a very aggressive combo as well. Mm-hmm. Because you have a lot of good tempo cards, a lot of <clears throat> kind of bounce and make my guys unblockable, and it's got the what do you want to call it, the trumpet blast of the set. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the creatures are very small, so if you don't have ways to kind of push them through with your spells, you could be you could fall behind pretty easily against just a a, a big couple creatures from green.
2: That's the good thing about pairing the you know the smaller, weaker creatures of Rakdos, like you said, Greg, with Is is that it does have those you know, the plus one oh and unblockable overload card. It does have the better trumpet blast that you don't have to cast after you declare attackers to have it to work that you know can get you over that hump. What do you think of this combo, Jeff? I like it.
0: Uh yeah, I think um Sorry. So uh, yeah, I think what you said about the tempo aspect is the, uh, impo- the key the key thing here. Um, Jeff loves his tempo. To, uh, yeah, it's it's become my number one important thing in Magic.
2: Maybe that's sure. because it's because you're a musician and you have to worry about tempo so much. hey oh. Uh, no? All right.
1: Uh, I actually don't have a whole lot to say about this combo, just because this feels like it's going to be the hardest to judge based on just looking at the cards. I feel like I'm going to need to play with it to kind of understand what exactly I want to be doing with this set or okay. with this pairing i like unleash seems like in a deck like this you're going to be unleashing basically everything and yep. just not even trying to block just all out going for the win right away
0: this is definitely the if i'm taking black red cards i think i want to be in this combo because if you're not unleashing your creatures they're not they're, they're just they're just boring they're, they're just like they're, they're a little
1: overcosted too <laughs>
0: yeah they're not very good and so I want to be in a deck that wants to unleash every creature
1: okay. absolutely uh, the last pairing we have is azorius and is it with sharing blue as a main color um, we the thing that I noted here and I wrote flash creatures but there are, I think there's only one common mm-hmm. one uh, but there's also an uncommon blue creature with flash plus instance is good, right yeah. you can. Mm-hmm. Leave mana up at the end of your turn, and even if you don't have like a counterspell or some burn spell to use on your opponent's turn, you can flash in a guy, uh, and and still use your mana effectively. It's also the most evasive color pairing with blue and white, and heavier on the blue. Uh, Jeff noted that it has the fewest creatures of at all con. the guilds.
2: A huge weakness and limited for sure. Yeah. It's just,
0: uh, yeah, when when your deck is packed full of spells, you just end up falling on your face. I mean, you don't do anything. <laughs> so, Unless
2: you're you two corner guys with your spells. spells.
0: But even if you're doing that, you're still not... If you have no creatures, essentially, in, they've changed magic, so if you don't have creatures, you cannot kill the opponent. Like, that just doesn't happen.
2: You can so mill you them out. <laughs> yeah. If you don't okay. get killed with their creatures first. By
0: the way, I wish Ryan was here, because the mill deck... Looks terrible and he's gonna draft it every time.
1: I don't think it looks that terrible. Uh, it doesn't look as good as M thirteen. How about this? If you're trying to draft the mill deck, what pairing do you want? Do you want to go Is it and Azorius?
2: Yeah. Probably this one.
0: Yeah. I mean you want the most removal, so maybe you want
2: Rakdos and Is it. Isn't there a wall that mills, a blue wall that taps the mill?
1: Yeah, for every wall you control. So yeah, you have to.
2: Yeah. Like, that is a Ryan a Hogan deck. deck.
1: Wall deck. Oh, wall absolutely. Deck.
0: Five color walls. Five color wall mill deck.
1: Yep. Now, how about this gutter snipe card, the the goblin that deals two damage every time you cast an instant in or sorcery. Oh,
0: I love that card.
1: Yeah, it seems pretty good. But which guild would that slot into the the best?
0: I think the aggro, uh, black, red, blue. Red. Okay. I With was just thinking
1: burns. if if Azorius and Is it pairing has the fewest creatures. Maybe that's where you want the Gutter Snipe. Okay. I mean, yeah. But I'm I, just
0: thinking as like a, the, more, the more aggressive deck wants. So yeah.
1: Because that's what this card
0: does. Is it just burns the opponent?
2: Gutter Snipe doesn't hit creatures, so does it? Just no, it's only out. opponents. It's
0: that a sucks. it's a wee dragon.
2: It sucks.
0: <laughs> it does not suck.
2: It's not You'll burning to it or whatever that you card was. to it. No. Yeah. I'll, I'll get milled out with some walls before I die to that card. Man, I can't wait for you to die. Do you
1: guys want to talk about this uh, removal analysis that we did? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna step away for a bit. I'll be right back.
0: Okay. Uh, first of all, common removal is bad. It uh, is. Yeah. Like real bad. We've been talking about it the whole time. But when you when you put all the cards next to each other and you read and you find out what they do, you're like, holy crap! How am I gonna kill things? Um, The only one that's just straight up kills is uh, Tristani's Judgment, and it costs six mana. Um, Or wait,
2: five damage? Or no, wait, that's explosive impact. impact.
0: Explosive impact. Tristani's Judgment exiles exiles the creature. Um, yeah
2: six mana removal is i think there's a lot of there's been a lot of examples of six mana removal in the past and it's always been playable i mean even just expensive removal like uh, turn to slag and there was one in um shards that you could cycle that cost six to cast it and like two to cycle the red version of the cycler mm-hmm. and they were they were all playable like i think the trisone's judgment and explosive impact are going to be you know top five picks for sure especially because removal is so light well
0: yeah definitely um but uh the cool thing about the judgment is that it's a two for one. It populates as well.
2: Yeah. So that's nice. It,
0: in the deck that's populating like your three three tokens, this card is gonna be like actually like really, really good. But So uh, that card
2: reads exile, target creature, and populate is what it does. Is yeah. it exile like attacking creature or something? No. just Target three. creature. Target creature. Yeah. yeah that's pretty good. That'll be a higher pick.
0: But but it's six mana. So it's like you're not killing creatures early. So you better be dealing with them somehow, some other We're, way. You um, know,
2: you're you're killing their resilient creatures later, you know, their regenerators and their thing their big creatures, it just it just hits everything.
0: Yeah. The uh just the as good other as source of white removal spell is is god awful. Um, uh, it it's it, like destroy target attacking creature, but you have to let it damage you first. It's,
2: it's probably it's, barely playable at best.
1: Yeah, no, you don't have to let it damage you, you just have to let it damage something it's oh, actually know. it's better than what you think cuz you can block you can just put a Shop horn turtle it. horn turtle in front of something and then kill it it's like, still not as good as the next yeah one. i'd rather sweet. pay
0: the one more mana to kill an attacking or blocking creature
2: absolutely sure
0: and next app isn't great so it's it's pretty bad but um yeah we got a paralyzing grasp that's a reprint it's the same as it always is very mediocre um like black's removal is kind of weird. We have the stab wound, which we talked about, and then they have launch party, which I actually really like. It's, um... It's like, uh... Bone Splinters? But it costs four. But, it it burns them as well. And the, the best the part about it is that it's an instant.
2: So you just sacrifice a creature, and it deals how much damage?
0: No, it destroys a creature. So, yeah, well, how does
2: it read? It deals, the controller of the creature that gets destroyed
1: loses two life. Yeah. So you sacrifice a creature as an additional cost, destroy target creature, and that creature's controller loses two life. Right. And, yeah, the fact that it's an instant is a big deal, because you can wait till one of your guys is going to die anyway, whether it be in combat or because of one of your opponent's removal spells, and then you can just launch him at
2: instant speed. Yep, that's a, it's that's like, a good point. That's kind of what hamstrung, or that's what made Bone Splinters, kept it from being, you know, an unbelievably good card from just like, you know, a good card, like a, like a mid mid round pick, is that because it was a sorcery? Like if you could do this in response to things, I didn't even think about that. That makes this card so much better.
0: Yeah, yeah it costs three more colorless mana though, so.
2: that's that's fine. I mean, it's eh. a, th- a one color and three colorless casting costs, even if it is four. I mean, obviously the one the one color the one casting cost card would be better, but I don't think this card's casting cost is amazingly prohibitive. I mean, four is not so bad. That's pretty bad.
0: I, I don't know. It's bad if you want to leave it up on your opponent's
2: turn. Yeah, it's just, it's just tough because yeah, exactly. You can't do have business on your turn and leave mana up for it. You have to choose, or you just have to get a late game. You must choose. Kind of um,
0: and then like the red, the uh, this this is such a slap in the face. <laughs> Annihilating fire is like the incinerate and it costs an extra red mana. <laughs> it's double red.
1: I think that's your... a good thing actually.
0: Oh, and I mean it is a good thing, but it's just like it's like, "Oh, you thought you were going to get a, a like a nice removal spell? Now we're going to make it hard for you."
1: Well, the, it's nice as the red player because you're not going to get that whole like Doomblade scenario from M- yeah. M12 happening where right. everyone's going to totally. snatch up your removal cuz people can't splash for annihilating fire very easily, especially Eating if they're it. already playing three colors.
2: Fourth or fifth pick, Annihilating Fire. So it's,
1: it's a red card, and that's what I like about it. I, I understand I, it's not super high on the power level curve, but it's it's fine. It, like You're totally willing to pay three mana to deal three damage and in instant speed. So yeah. just,
2: to, just to be clear, it's three damage, and then if you kill the creature, you exile it, right? Yes. Take like Magma Spray for three? Yeah. For four yeah. more damage? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a first pick.
1: Yeah, totally. And yeah, it's, it's, a, gonna it's a hype. Take out scavenge Creatures. It's good. I, think it's, I would
0: I would not first pick this card because of the double red though. But oh, no, that's
1: why you do first pick it, but you first pick murder, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, that's true. But it's that was not a gold set. I don't know. I
2: like and this. this is not murder, so it's not murder. It's true. It's not, but I think that we just talked about how I mean the whole point of this segment is to explain how the removal power level is much worse than recent sets. So mm-hmm. this card is not murder, but then most of the removal in this set is not the removal in most sets.
1: Yep. Right. This card and Augur Spree feel like the two best removal spells in the format. Yes. Get behind
0: that. I agree. At common, oh. at least, right? At common, yeah. But then you move on to you move to uncommon, and there really isn't a ton more removal. Like you have Arrest, which was a common most recently when we saw it. So, uh, but we have Arrest,
2: and we have was, um, was Arrest a common? Yes. Yeah, and Scars. It was, it was originally was pretty... uncommon though, its first printing, right? Yes. Maybe. It was common in. It was uncommon in Mercadian Masks.
1: It was common in Mirrodin. It was common in. Scars. Scars. And it was common in the last core set it was printed in, too, I think.
2: In the next set, it'll be
1: Mythic Rare. Yeah. We skipped over Explosive Impact at Common, which is five and a red for.
0: we talked about it. Oh, you did? Okay, sorry. When we talked about Tristani's Judgment.
1: Yeah, those cards are both fine. Yeah. Yeah. You'll play the first copy every time, and you might even play a second
2: copy of Explosive Impact because it can at least go to the dome. So Same with Judgment. Talk, I mean, talk about um, electricity or electricity or whatever. Electricity. It's just like uh, one red no, to deal one damage, we right?
0: We don't need to talk about it. It's pretty bad. I mean, first you're play, it's
1: probably, probably gonna play the first one. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: First copy. What, what does it
0: cost to overload it? Like three or something. Three total. Yeah, it's cheap. I oh, know
1: overload is just a colorless and a red. That's pretty good. One damage to all creatures you don't control, yeah. at instant speed. Yeah, that's sweet. I like that, especially against the the green white tokens, against the one one tokens. It's
2: like a shitty cower in fear kind of. I think it's better than cower in fear. There well, maybe cower. not better, but
1: cower in fear was,
2: was a pretty good was a pretty high pick in M thirteen, right?
1: Yeah, that card actually fell for me the more I played that format.
2: But yeah, it was pretty good still. So the fact that there's tokens and token populators in this set and that it's cheaper than Cowern Fear and costs one less colored mana makes select better.
1: Maybe.
0: Mm.
1: I think if it was really that good, they wouldn't have printed it at
2: common though.
0: Yeah, it's I, not I, 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 it's, I don't think it's that good.
2: It's on the same power level as the original Ravnica, oh, fuck, I always forget the name of these cards. The one uh, that costs Pyromatics. Red, Pyromantics, yeah, or Pyromatics. The yeah, one I that you guys could do. It was good though. It was playable.
0: Every card that had Replicate was awesome. Uh, <laughs>
2: every,
0: every card. Every man, single I one. I miss fucking Ravnica. Well, it's about to come back. Let's it's talk about coming these,
1: back! Let's talk more about this Uncommon removal. I think there's more than you think. Because you've got... Yes, you said man. you said Arrest. Soul Tithe is basically a removal spell. It either removes a creature or it removes a bunch of mana from your opponent's turns. Yeah. There's uh-huh. Assassin's Strike...
0: It's expensive, though.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, so is the five-damage one at Common. I
0: know, and I don't, I don't think it's especially good because of that, but...
1: I don't know. It's pretty good. What I mean, you draw a card off of it when you play it? Is that... Or, no, your opponent they discards discard. a
0: card? Yeah, I mean, by the time you're six mana, aren't they, like, going to be out of cards?
1: Yeah, maybe. Maybe not, though. Maybe. Playable. Ultimate Price is very good. Street Spasm is very good. I actually think Savage Surge, the pump spell, is, like, the best pump spell as a removal yeah, card really printed.
2: It gives something plus 2 plus 2 and untaps it, it, right?
1: Yeah, so it's yeah. a lot like Spidery it's Grasp, except it's 1 mana cheaper, and it's only plus 2 plus 2.
2: Yeah, I'm going to forget about that card and lose a creature to it at one point soon, I think. It's uncommon
1: also, so it's going to make it, you're going to see it less.
2: Yeah, I yeah. All right, I like that card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good.
1: Yeah. Um, and Thought Flare, is that a removal spell? No, that's a card draw spell.
0: Oh man, I love that card. <laughs> it's okay. That card's pretty sweet, isn't it? Like drawing four and discarding two. That's it, like better instant, than, a, yeah. better the, than problem, seat,
2: right? the problem is it's not you can't you have to play four colors if you want to get you know, if you want to get scavenge value off of it. Oh, I don't care about that kind of value. I like uh, just you could, discarding my you lands and just want to go nuts and just get ultimate value. You could be playing
1: just black and get value off of it that way. You you don't have to play green and black scavenge cards. It's true. I guess that's, it's true. And you're also going to be pitching lands to it more often than anything else anyway, I think. Absolutely, yeah. I think
2: drawing four and then, like, discarding some amount of cards or putting cards in the bottom of your library, or, mm-hmm. you know, there's a bunch of spells like that. There's a massive Components, Sift. All of those cards are good and limited.
1: Yeah, yeah this, this one, one costs five, so it's yeah. kind of prohibitive.
2: But,
0: I mean, it's like... Uh was that one from time spiral
1: uh, oh careful consideration
0: careful consideration i, th- I think it's going to be close to that power
2: hmm. which was Pro- that card it was insane the problem with these cards is when you cast it during your main phase on your turn like on fourth or fifth turn which mana it costs it's you're not you're not obviously not doing anything you're not affecting the board at all and it's i've had opponents cast cards like this against me and I thought to myself, sweet, this is an extra turn of me getting to bash in your face with these creatures without you, you know, saying anything about it because now you're tapped out. So, you know, you got to be able to make sure you can get something to, you know, get you some value with the four cards you draw.
1: Yeah, it feels more uh, like a win more card a lot of the time. Like if you're winning and you play that card, that's great because you just restocked your hand. Maybe you got some value off a scavenge creature to the yard. But if you're behind and that's a card you have to cast, it's I mean, it's probably going to take your whole turn to cast it.
2: Well, it helps in, like, games that are wars of attrition, too, where you're kind of in a standoff. Maybe you're trading with some flyers or some unblockables or getting through a couple of damage. And, you know, just being able to go up two extra cards, net two cards, or maybe pitch two lands on your opponent uh, can really help break through those stalemates or, or, you know, slow attrition games. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it just all depends on how fast the format ends up being on where this card
2: will land. But. I, think, I think it's a great. I think it's a really good card. I think it's going to be good no matter what. Hmm.
1: All right. Are there any other like specific cards you guys want to talk about from the spoiler?
2: I would like to talk about a couple of cards. Some of them we've already talked about. I just kind of want to talk about. You guys kind of dismissed this in the last podcast, but the Tablet of the Guilds. Dismissed it.
0: I Which mean, means said it wasn't very good.
2: There was words of it being oh, a never garbage mind. card. Oh I thought we were talking about
0: well. the Chromatic
1: Lantern. I was like, are you are you serious? It's like the best card in the set.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the Tablet of the Guild is actually well. I'm not going to guarantee this, but I think it could be pretty good. It's not Angel's Mercy. It's better than Angel's Mercy for sure. It's like it's not a, a horrible garbage card like that. No, I know. This is. I mean, I just think that it's. It costs two to cast, right? Two colorless, and then yes, you're potentially gaining one or two life a turn. So uh, the card from Scars, the one that made colorless mana and gained you life, or what it was called. But uh, a lot of times you were just tapping that to kind of gain life, and that was affecting the game, and, you know, your opponent's two or three damage a turn was reduced by one. I mean, if you're potentially reducing, you know, your opponent's damage by two a turn or more, if you're, you know, have a lot of gold cards, then, I mean, this could really influence the tide of some games. And like this, I might be eating my words later, but it could even be good in multiples. Yeah, but
1: the thing about Pristine Talisman is that it ramped you as I mean, well as allowed It Does you... something? Yeah, it does yeah, something else. This card does nothing else. Even it might allow you to gain two life every time you cast a spell. Like Who cares. Yeah, and what happens when you get flooded and this is in your hand? Like, wouldn't you rather it just was a Grizzly
2: Bear? If you're flooded, you're screwed anyways. <laughs> yeah. That's true. But I mean, this I, makes I mean, would you play? Worse.
0: Would you play a card that said whenever you cast a spell, you gain a life, and that's all it
2: did? Oh, you mean like Contemplation?
0: Yes, like yes, Contemplation. Just
2: like Contemplation. You you yourself, Jeffrey, played that card all the time back in the day. <laughs> yeah,
0: I I was 11 years old, Spencer. <laughs>
2: you loved it. You had your gain-life deck, and it was annoying.
0: I know, it was yeah. Humility, oh. Worms, Prayer, Combo. <laughs> anyway... That card is bad. I think that I would not ever play a card that said you gain one life every time you cast a spell, which I think this is essentially saying that.
2: I don't think it's that. I think it's you gain two life every time you cast a spell. No, yeah. that's
0: that has it has to be the exact two colors that you chose, you know? You're you're in multiple guilds here. Like not every card you have is going to be red black.
2: So let's say you gain an average of three life every two turns. And how long do games last? Let's say the games last seven or eight do you gain turns.
0: An average of three life every two turns.
2: You cast okay. one color you to the spell on one turn, and you cast 0. a full spell in the
0: next turn. Seven, five life a turn or something.
2: I disagree. Like I think you'll gain more. I think it's like saying you start the game at thirty life. I think it gives you ten extra life in an average game.
0: That's possible. I wouldn't play that card. I wouldn't play a card that says gain ten.
2: For two? For two colorless? No, I wouldn't. You wouldn't play a card that said gain two life for two colorless mana. Ten, no. Really? Well, I, I think, just, I, I, think that, I think that card's pretty good.
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, I could see a deck where it would work, with just like a slow, grindy deck where you want to just last until you can start dropping seven drops. But for the most part, this card seems pretty underwhelming to me. Just because it, it, it doesn't do that, anything.
2: It's not, I'm not trying to say it's a, it's a good card. I just don't think, from you know having not played this set yet, I just don't think you can immediately write it off. No, I mean, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I'm gonna kind of write it off, but I will I will admit that there's probably a deck where this is gonna be very good.
2: I mean, I'm not I mean like like I said, I could be totally, you know, coming you know 180 it, degrees on this in a month or two, and it could be just the worst fucking card piece of garbage ever. But uh, you know, I just thought it was interesting at first, and I, I feel like there's gonna be some application for it to a limited extent.
1: You know what my real problem with this card is is what happens when you draw it on turn eight, like.
2: That's the risk you take.
1: Yeah, and that's not a risk I'm willing to take most of the time. I'd rather just have something that will do something at that point in the game and a 2-2 for 2 or a 2-2 for 3 even would be better than this card to me. Probably. And if if you're playing a Grey Ogre over this card, are you ever playing it? Are you ever going to play Tablet of the Guilds? If it's not as good as a Grey Ogre? I don't think it... I, I, I can't imagine myself
2: putting this card in my deck. What if, you're, what if you're trying to mill people and it's a high pick, right? No. Maybe, but yeah, I think it's I'd rather...
0: Awesome. I mean, it can't be a high pick because you know you'll table it. I mean, it's got yeah. table in the name.
2: <laughs> Great point. This is true. Okay, I mean, I am not. I didn't want to like try to ram this card home. I just thought it was worth maybe having a little bit of discussion about and expressing a different point I enjoyed of
0: the discussion.
2: Yeah.
1: But I, I mean, it's, it's worth talking about.
2: I just so, yeah, I don't think it's good. I don't. I have actually a couple other cards that I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit if we have enough time. So um, one card I wanted to talk about was um, Ethereal Armor, which was uh, the white enchantment for one that gives your creature plus one plus one for each enchantment you control and first strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, understandably, it's a creature enchantment, but I thought it was pretty good.
0: It's I definitely see- above the curve for most auras, I would say.
2: I mean, the risk, obviously, for creature enchantment is getting blown out in a two-for-one, right? But, I mean, beside the fact that you're losing two cards for one, it's a really minimal mana investment at, you know, the lowest possible mana investment it could be. And at the very worst, I mean, this is, like, assuming—I mean, you're likely going to have, like, an Arrest or the Detention Sphere or some sort of, you know, enchantment removal that you're picking very highly. And so you get this card late— and you have you know one or two enchantments in the board already, and then you're giving up creature plus two, plus two, and first strike for one white mana. That's pretty relevant.
1: Yeah, that seems like a best case scenario though. This seems like it's just going to be a bad hyena umbra most of the time. Mm-hmm. It's going to be plus one, plus one, and first strike in
2: seventy five percent of your games. Did hyena umbra cross one? Yes. Yes. Sorry about that card. All right. I mean, I, I think this card could potentially be good. Like I said, I'm not trying to say that this card is really good like the tablet i just think it's kind of worth maybe talking about and there's some potential out there and you know anything that has a really relevant upside for a low mana investment is you know worth thinking about and possibly worth running in the right deck
1: yeah i mean the more enchantments you have the better this gets like if you're running knightly valors and all that other stuff like if you have a martial law or yeah some of those rares and uncommons then this goes up in value but at that point, if you're running that many enchantments, you probably just want another creature more. Or at least that's what I would that's what I would think.
2: I mean, yeah, yeah, like we were talking about, Jeff was saying earlier, you know, magic's all about having creatures nowadays. So, I mean, I think usually you're usually just going to want another solid creature over most auras, but...
0: I can't remember, Greg. Did you know, we have those play- night Oh, sorry, Spencer, did I just cut you off?
2: I was going to end my sense. Just saying if you're searching for playables, I think it, it's a card you could consider.
1: Yeah. I I want to talk about Nightly Valor, Jeff.
0: Okay, I couldn't remember if we did this on the last podcast or not. No, we had a
1: discussion online just like through Gchat, but I wanted to bring it up on the podcast because I don't know how good this card is. And I I specifically want to compare it to the Seller of Songbirds. And we did this when we talked earlier, but they're both token generators, which, in case you haven't noticed, is going to be very important for the Green-White Guild. Mm -hmm. In fact, Part of our uh, spreadsheet analysis goes to show, like, how many token generators there actually are in each color. And there are only five total at common. And, uh, what is it, six, seven total at uncommon that actually make creature tokens.
0: Yeah, four Two, of them are white. Yeah. And the common ones. But,
1: yeah. And so you have to prioritize these cards pretty high if that's going to be your plan is to abuse populate. So, a card like Knightly Valor and a card like Seller of Songbirds could both be, uh, I mean, they could be good anyway, but they could also just be necessary evils for your deck. And I kind of wanted to talk about those two cards compared to each other. Like, which one do you think is better, and how good do you think each of them are?
0: Greg already knows my opinion on this, but I think Knightly Valor (laughs) is a solid card. Um, I don't like Seller of Songbirds at all, pretty much, but... Highly Valor, I mean, that's some value on that enchantment, and I like me some value. And the, the like, bonus that you get is fucking huge, like, plus two, plus two in Vigilance is ridiculous.
1: For five mana, though. Five I know, I know, the, I, know man, I know.
2: He's drawback.
0: It's the big drawback, yes, yes, but, uh, I mean, I talked, I, I compared it to um, Mammoth Umbra with Greg, I think it's going to be similar in power level. Not even um, close. <laughs> Greg Greg says not even close. I just
1: yeah. Um I mean do you want, I'll break it down for you, I'll break it down for you again. The fact of the no, matter is if you that. put well yeah, but the listeners don't know why I think okay. mammoth umbra is so much better. Let's say you have a four four on the battlefield. If you enchant your four four with a mammoth umbra and then they murder it. They they try the two for one you and the enchantment, right? The mammoth umbra would go away and you'd get a four four back. If you put a knightly valor on a four four and they murder it, you all you all you're left with is a two two. The the white and I mean yes you're left with something which is nice it's fine but it's not the same it's not nearly as good as the Umbra because the Umbra but, protects the creature itself and not just some dirtily tutu
0: yeah I I do think the Umbra is better but not by a lot I, I and the the tutu creature the fact that it's a token really matters like because you do get to populate it and it's bigger than a one one so it's gonna be a a decent populate target you know
3: yeah.
1: I do like that the Knightly Valor gives Vigilance and that the Knight Token has Vigilance. So you're representing four plus power and toughness that it's going to attack and block every turn. Yeah. yeah. Which is important strong. important to
2: note that if you're populating two, you're populating a 2-2 Vigilant creature, which is... Absolutely. It's awesome. Yeah, getting multiple Vigilant creatures at yeah. 2-2 is pretty sweet. So, I mean, would you take the Valor over
1: the four mana instant that, or the four mana... Yeah, the four mana instant that makes... A bird in populates? No. Really? The
0: yeah. the midnight haunting, essentially, but costs one more. Except it could be better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I it, like too. Yeah, I like the Eyes in the Skies. It's it's, it's a good card. But um I still like Nightly Valor. Like I I don't know, uh It's 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 gonna be an interesting one. It's definitely like auras are tough. Because when they look good, they still aren't as good as you think they are.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Unless they but, get your future shroud or something.
0: Yeah, but even then, it's like instant speed removal will fuck it up, and or just like I don't know, sweeper or something. I don't know. It's just like I don't know, sweeper. That's a bad case, but I don't know. It, it auras are always worse than than they than your brain first thinks but I still think this is a good card, or good good enough.
1: Yeah, just the 5 mana cost scares me away a little bit. And I, I again, I'll, I can imagine myself playing this in a populate heavy deck, especially as like one of my 3 5 drops, yeah. but in your average white deck, I don't know if this card is worth the risk.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Well, no,
1: well, it remains to be seen, that's why I wanted to talk about it, because I do think it's an interesting discussion. Whereas like, The Seller of Songbirds is another card that just gives you a creature token, but it does it at an earlier spot on the curve, so like if you get to cast that on turn three, then your Populate Spells from turn four on are all doing something, And whereas the Knightly Valor, you don't really get to populate that Knight token until turn six at the earliest, and that feels a little underwhelming to me. Yeah. Although, I guess if you go Knightly Valor into that six-mana Exile removal spell and get another Knight, that's fine pretty good
0: <laughs> how awesome is it that all our tokens have like abilities and shit vigilance and flying that's awesome
2: it's pretty cool pretty good yeah definitely better than just shitty non-ability tokens uh, except yeah except that
0: and then the non-ability ones in this set are like three threes and four fours
2: it's awesome so definitely token every set
1: I want to talk briefly about just kind of the tension between taking Populate cards and taking token generators. And I understand that some of those cards do both, like Eyes in the Skies. Yeah. But it seems like it's going to be a lot more important, to me at least, to get the token generators first and worry about getting Populate cards after that fact. Because if you don't have anything to start with...
2: Populate's worthless.
1: Yeah, Populate doesn't do anything. I totally agree. Yeah. So the the ooze token generator, the green uncommon, whatever that ooze molding or something like that, slime molding,
3: mm-hmm.
1: that seems like a really high pick. The the one that makes a wolf or a centaur, green white for a centaur That's token,
0: really good. Watch uh-huh. That's wash wolf.
1: Uh huh. The centaur's dope. herald, the green one drop, looks pretty underwhelming, but ultimately you're paying four mana for a <coughs> three centaur creature, and right. that centaur creature. Can get populated after the fact. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I think yeah, those.
0: I remember reading that card and just like without populate in my head, I'm like, why the fuck? Like, <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> and then I realized that that's why. Populate.
1: Well, you get to block with it and then make the token if you want. Yeah. Or.
0: If still. Yeah. Just, if, if that, if populate was not a keyword in the set, that card would be really a head scratcher. Like, why did they make this? It just yeah. feels so weird.
1: Uh, So, yeah, I just think it's important that if you are trying to draft that guild and that populate strategy, get the token generators first and get the populate cards second. I don't know. Yep. Absolutely. What other uh, cards did you want to talk about, Spencer?
2: Um, The only other card that I think, after going over my entire list now and the cards we talked about already, not really that important, but the card Dark Revenant that the ability when it dies, you put it back on top of your owner's library. It's a liability. Yeah, that was my first thought when I read it, too, I think it's easy to think, look at that card and think, oh, it just never dies, but how many times it limited... like This has happened to me before, where a card has gone back on my library, and I'm like, man, like usually this is a good thing, right? Because you get it back, but I just need to draw another card to get me out of this game. It's any other card. And yeah. I think it's definitely a downside in this, in this case.
1: I mean, the fact of the matter is is that you can... Not cast it, if you're afraid of that happening to you. If you're afraid of Great. somebody just killing it and putting it on top of your library. But then you have a dead card in your hand, which is no good.
2: But so. How many situations have you been like, all right, I need the alpha strike, and then any way he blocks is fine, and then you need to top deck any sort of spell, and then you can't do that with Dark Revenant, because you just top deck the Dark Revenant again. I mean, you need to top deck a spell other than that, you know, another creature or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I mean, just if, drawing... If a blank card can be something you just really need to do, and then when you know what it is, and that just might not help you,
0: yeah, if you're ever on the back foot in a game like you're struggling in any way, just think about it like think about, would I ever want to draw two two flyer <laughs> like when <laughs> I'm losing no it's it's a card you want when you're winning, so that's kind of the the shitty thing.
1: all right, I want to talk about rectos Keckler. And spawn of Rixma <laughs> Dee. On a mountain of skulls and a castle of pain, I sat on a throne of blood.
0: So what are these cards?
1: So the Cackler is the one drop with Unleash for black red hybrid mana.
2: That's the other one I was talking about. That's the other two two for one. Yeah, but okay, it's the two two that can't block, which is pretty significant. Yeah, it's fine. You put your Civic Saber on it.
0: well then it's awesome yeah Yeah,
2: who gives a shit it can't block
1: okay so I I just want to know like what do you guys think of this card? because I don't think it's that playable I think it's pretty bad
0: I think it's bad too
1: it just seems like it seems like a trap to me because if you draw it on turn one it's great yeah you're gonna jam it in there on turn one you're gonna get in for two on turn two get in for two maybe again on turn three (laughs) And at that point, it's justified its existence as a card in your deck. It's done four damage for one mana sold right you're gonna you're gonna take that and then maybe you get into the next turn and yet it trades with some x two that your opponent has. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, if you draw it on turn six, it's either a one one for one or a two two for one that can't block and it's
0: probably gonna be a one one, which is terrible
1: yeah, yeah. so if you're if you're all out if you're all in on being an aggressive red black deck then yes I can understand this card making your deck and being pretty good in that type type of deck but if you're not trying to be super aggressive I think this card is an easy cut you're not going to play
2: this yep this is probably true and I think Wizards kind of wised up to the original days of printing Magic where Savannah Lions was you know just an awesome card and the only card of its type and then they kind of realized especially in limited, that, you know, that's the liability with any of these, you know, elite Vanguard, Savannah line type cards is that if you draw them later in the game, they're not that good. They're pretty pretty much a dead card, and this card is twice as much so.
1: So on the flip side of that coin, Spawn of Rick's Ma D is three colorless of black and a red for a five three with unleash. And it's a it's a common. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. either a not five three a that saying. can block or a six four that can't block. I think this a, card's pretty good.
2: A, a Fire Emblem for a 5-4 for 5 is a fine card. I think a craw Worm for 5, even if it can't block, is, is better. It's much better.
0: I don't like it. Why don't you like it, Jeff? Um, well, I don't like it because I don't... I wouldn't play... Well, it's, that's the thing about a lot of these Unleashed cards. It's like, I wouldn't play the non-Unleashed version ever. Sure you will. Like, no, I mean, I will in a game. I'm just saying, if this card didn't have Unleash on it, I would never play this card. I, did, I think that that's a lie.
1: Because you played the 5-3 <laughs> in Avacyn Restored. What was that, the Demon? I yeah. Did. I mean, didn't you?
2: No. I know I did. That was a playable card, you're right.
1: Um, this, this could be that card, or it could be a 6-4 that can't block. And you get to make that choice.
2: Yeah, I agree. Uh,
0: I, I just, I I don't think that, like... Okay. I would play it in a, like if I have stretched for playables, but I don't like cards that I have to stretch for. I don't, I don't. I mean, I don't want, you know, my twenty six, like in my head, like twenty six best card in my deck. So there's that. The six four is cool to to drop on turn five, um, but uh, I don't know. The the not being able to block with your huge fatty is like. Just such a bummer. I, I don't. I don't know. Like,
1: but if you want to block with it, you can just leave it as a five three, and it's still an effective card. Like five three. It's not five, a good blocker
0: it's, though. It's. it's well, it'll blocker. trade
1: with basically yeah. anything. I mean that that's a good blocker to me. It's yeah, it's a fine blocker. Yeah. I mean, it's not. You, you're not actively going to block something every turn, but you could at least kill something while you're blocking with it if you wanted to.
2: It eats all their little dudes. It eats all their little Vigilant Knight tokens. It trades with pretty much all of their creatures.
0: So do you it's, think this is yeah. like? If you're playing red and black, this is in your deck every time?
2: No,
1: I'm just saying it's a fine 5-drop. It's a good curve filler. It's like
2: the Demon from Innistrad. Like it did not yeah. make your deck every time, but oftentimes it did.
1: Yeah, because you just needed another body, and you needed something to do on turn 5. Exactly. Yeah. And this has more upside than that, because it can be a
0: 6-4. Right. I don't know. I think we're valuing it fairly similarly, then. Okay. I just... I don't like... I, I'm i not going to say I like a card like that that, that's like, oh, it's a nice filler. It's like... Well, who cares.
2: The point is it doesn't blow you away. The point is is, you know, you're we're evaluating like you said, we're evaluating it correctly, that it is a playable card, it has applications, it has a kind of a, a wide variety of applications, but in all of them, you know, it does a job and it does it admirably well. It does it not that admirably well. But I don't know. I think a six five attacker for five is a for, six, yeah, six, four, a, six, six, 4 even so, I think that's fine. Yeah. It's Should,
0: fine. It's, it is fine.
1: Yeah, I agree. Okay. Uh, the next card I wanted to talk about was Swift Justice, which might be like my favorite pump spell they've printed in like years. It's one white mana, target creature gets +1/+0 plus plus oh, for strike and lifelink. Like this card yeah. is pretty I'm good, sad. right? Am I crazy? Really good. It's no, from It's common. It's common. Wow, yeah, that's good. So, I mean, combat tricks don't get a whole lot better than that. I understand it can't really save your guy from a uh, annihilating fire or an auger spree but in combat it's just going to eat a dude, gain you a bunch of life and save your creature like that might have
0: traded yeah i think it's so. it's essentially a one like it's it's on almost to the same power level to me as um mom, what was it called the Innistrad one that was plus two plus two moment of heroism moment of heroism it's like almost that good and it costs a whole colorless less this card is huge. Like, it's really good. Yeah. So one like, mana I'm... pump spells are just the top, and this one is fucking good.
2: In a vacuum, is it, is it better than giant growth?
0: Yeah. I think uh, so. would ju- R- rather growth have giant growth. Exist in this set, right?
2: No, it is a... in this in set. It giant... is, isn't
0: it? Wait, giant is... growth was reprinted in this set, yes. Really? Yes. Yeah. yes. What?
1: Yep. <laughs> awesome, I didn't nice. know that. I'd rather have giant growth. Uh, I don't know. Toughness boosting is a big deal. Like, it is. The life gain is cool, but... Ah, it's so is, cool. Like, the Swift Justice is more applicable for combat, whereas Giant Growth works in combat, and it also works as, like, a counterspell for removal.
2: Like, like we said, there's not an overwhelming amount of efficient instant removal in this set. So, I mean, time will they'll tell. They'll both on, be awesome. They'll both be good, but, t- I mean, if you have an option of, you know, just saving your creature or saving your creature and gaining some life with this spell you're going to want to gain some life, obviously. Yeah. And so if, you know, you're equally susceptible or only slightly more susceptible to, to removal with this card, then, I don't know, that's probably worth taking.
1: Yeah, I also like the Giant Growth more because it can also act as a burn spell on an unblocked creature, whereas Swift Justice only gets you in for that one extra point of damage. I'd yeah, call, it, call it the Titanic Growth Corollary. Right, right.
0: No, you I know? get it. Yeah, you might be right. Giant Growth might be better, but
1: I do th- I do like Swift Justice a lot though. I think this card yeah. is sweet and I just you know wanted what... to kind of highlight it in the podcast cuz I I will definitely be playing it.
0: You know what's going to be fucking awesome is when somebody waits till your turn to Auger spree, your dude, and you're like Giant Growth.
1: <laughs>
0: fucking monster coming in.
1: Yeah, that's pretty sweet.
0: But <laughs> not only do you save it, but you like get four more power on it. That's awesome.
2: Plus 7 power. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That probably just ends the game right there.
2: Plus 7 minus 1. I'm in. Sign
1: me up for that. Alright, I got two two cards I want to kind of talk to at the same, or talk about at the same time now. Uh, Both common overload spells. Downsize and Mizium skin. Which one of these cards do you think is better, and do you think either is playable? I'm gonna need to know...
2: Yeah, can you go over them?
1: Okay, so Downsize is a blue instant. It costs a single blue mana. It's a common. Target creature you don't control gets minus 4, minus 0 until end of turn. Over, you can overload it for two colorless and a blue.
0: And, I don't love this card. That's yeah, not good.
1: Okay. I am I was kind of on board. I just wanted... Because I could kind of envision this maybe being good. But, was, yeah, I guess was, ultimately it's just a fog,
2: right? Wasn't there an Innistrad yeah. card that did the same thing? A blue card? Like yeah, except Hysteria it didn't have... It a cost 4, point? I think.
1: You also didn't have the option to cast it just for a single blue and just get one creature with it.
2: Well, that card wasn't, wasn't playable at all, was no. it? No. I mean, it was no. a
1: decent sideboard card. Nah, it was a mediocre sideboard card, but yes. Uh, Misium Scan is the one that I like a little bit more. And that one says, it's an instant, it costs a single blue target creature you control gets plus, 0, plus one and hex proof until end of turn and you can overload it for a colorless and a blue so all your creatures get plus one plus one and hexproof until end of turn
2: ranger's guile yeah. with upside
0: yeah well not quite but
2: does a boost power which is yeah. it's relevant. important yeah yeah it's relevant but, but i think that card's good i mean i think it's yeah portable. i do too i do too okay
0: it's it's uh you won't you probably won't play two but the
2: first one is a solid addition. How yeah. relevant is is the overload cost, though? I mean, how important is it going to be to give all your creatures Shroud and plus 0, plus 1?
1: I think that it's more about, yeah, plus 0, plus 1 to all your yeah. creatures. Absolutely.
2: I think you you'll are, be casting
0: for overload a lot of the time just because people wait till your turn to, like,
2: remove your stuff. And so, there, this might be a stupid question, but are there any overload cards that when you overload it, it just targets everything? Or does all, all overload cards just hit everything untargeted? That makes it's sense. untargeted.
0: They don't target.
2: No, no, it targets. Yeah, I think some of them target. Wait, do they? Yeah. Some of them do, right? I mean, uh, that's the uh, question.
1: No, no, you're right. It says all, or each creature you control gets,
2: you're right, it doesn't target anymore.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. You've removed the word target with each. Yeah.
2: You, each, yeah. Okay. Huh. So that, I mean, that would be an, an application if they did target that this card would be good to overload it, but they don't. So what's the point to doing it, to overloading it?
1: Well, be, you overload it because it gives all your guys the the bonus. So let's say your opponent has two two removal spells, and they go. Although I guess
2: they could just cast a second one in response <laughs> to Misian Skin.
0: Yeah, no, that it, it's just important for combat, I think. But
2: I, mean, I think the 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 point of this card is that one blue mana for plus zero plus one and shroud is totally fine.
0: It's hexproof, and, not shroud
2: to be. Or hexproof, yeah. Oh, okay, even better. So. That's fine. That's you know that's totally playable. And the fact that you can, in some strange crazy scenario, give it to everything and maybe blow somebody out. I mean, there's that's no that's not a problem. I mean, that's fine.
1: Yeah, I, I just envisioned a scenario where the overload on hexproof actually matters. So let's say you cast it in combat on your opponent's turn for overload. Then in your opponent's second main phase, any sorcery speed targeted removal is not going to work against you, right? Matter. Right. It's relative Okay. Yeah. I guess comparing it to Ranger's Skyle is smart. I hadn't really thought of it in that way, but I don't know. It seems okay. It seems like a good little trick to counter a, a removal spell,
2: possibly. <laughs> it seems like a really like a strong sideboard card and like a 22nd or 23rd playable. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, last card I wanted to talk about was Batterhorn, which is the red mm-hmm. common beast for four colorless and a red. He's a four three, and when he enters the battlefield, you may destroy target artifact. Is this card going to be main deckable all the time because of the yes. key runes?
2: Because a civic saber, Because civic saber is a
1: house. No,
0: it's because of the key runes. Because they'll be
1: everyone's going to play those, right?
0: Well, you have. To. I mean, they're insane, right?
1: Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah,
0: they're, they're awesome. They're so good. All right, whatever. I mean, they but are. Yeah.
1: They're very good. They fix your mana. They can also be creatures. It's cool. What I I'm just saying that that there are they are uncommons. So there will be games where you won't see them. Absolutely. And that you're just going to have a 4-3 for 5 that doesn't do anything otherwise. Like the upside is so big. But dude. the upside is worth it. I, I think so, too.
2: That's not... I mean, a 4-3 for 5 isn't great, but that's not the worst power-to-toughness ratio for mana, especially for seal deck that I've ever heard of. Right. It's not, not a mind-claw you...
1: shaman. A 2-2 t- two, two for 5. That sucks. That card really does suck. Ryan played that in a draft we tried to record the other day, and I was... I couldn't stand it. I, I wanted to cut it at all times. I'm glad, I'm just glad we never drew it.
2: So, I mean, I think that card's fine. You're totally right. If you can hit a, hit a key rune or, you know, a rare artifact, the uh, spectral lantern or whatever it's called, then kudos to you. Okay. Or you could blow up your opponent's tablet of the guilds. Yeah. Except
1: if they're playing the tablet, eh, the table. I feel pretty good.
2: Do you guys want yeah. to talk about the key runes real quick and, like, which one, and I don't know how relevant this is, but which one in a vacuum is, is the best? Like, which creature you like the best? Yeah, sure. Because I have a ranking, and I'm not sure if you guys totally agree with me, but I think like the, the Vactos one is the best. Okay. I think a 3 first first strike is... I mean, a 3-power first strike is pretty sweet, and it's going to be susceptible to, obviously, a wider range of removal, but there's only one removal spell that just deals one damage, and everything else deals, you know, minus minus four toughness or three damage or something like that. So there's only one card that's especially relevant on. So I like having the, I mean, a three power first strike is going to really wreak havoc with your opponent's blockers and because a blocker for you. I think that the Silencia one, the three, three vanilla creature is probably the second best. And this, actually, I might be switching this around, but I think the Golgari two, two death touch is either the second or third best. Um, just for mean, just insofar as that, like, the Silenzia one is more applicable as an attacker. And uh, it's, you know, more of a force to be reckoned with, whereas the Golgari 2-2 Death Touch is really just something that's going to, you know, block anything once, and then you're going to potentially trade it to something and lose it right away. And I think the it one is the second worst, but I am, again, notorious for—I don't I don't really like looting that much. I kind of underrate looting, and yeah, then I think is, do. the Azurious one—actually, let's switch that back. I think the Azurius is probably better than the it. I think the it's the worst one.
1: Yeah, my initial reaction is that the Azorius, the Rakdos, and the Celestia one are all very close. That those three are pretty equal in power level, and that the Golgari one is fourth, and that the Izzet is fifth. Just because a 2-1 looter isn't going to get in there that often. I mean, it just feels more irrelevant to me, like, once once he's activated. Like, a 2-1 just doesn't really seem that threatening ever.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would rank them similar to Greg. Uh, although, I would like to say that I'll be most excited to play with the Is It One, even though I think it's the worst.
2: It's, it's never, it never does
0: get in. Oh, boy. We're
2: going to get through we What was that? I mean, I don't think it's going to get. It doesn't have any evasion, does it, the Is It One?
0: No, no, no. no. It, it, you have to be, like, just crossing your fingers <laughs> and hoping that you're going to be able to sneak by at some point. But, I mean. It doesn't. I mean, the, the, I think uh, the best one is probably the Selesny one because uh, three-three body is pretty pretty solid.
2: One thing to note is that Watch Wolf in the original Ravnica wasn't like amazingly sweet. Like it was a fine card, but a three-three for two for a green and a white, like it didn't wasn't winning you e games right away. It was it was kind of overrated. I think
1: it was still pretty good though. The thing Same. is, is like none of these are going to get activated on the first four turns. You're going to use these key runes to cast end. spells. Yeah. So you these creatures these, ones here are... yeah. these creatures only come into play late in the game, and for that reason, I think that the blue one is probably my favorite because it has evasion.
2: The Zorius one.
1: Yeah. And I, yeah, I think that was pretty good. The, I think it back. The other two, the the black red and the green white, just because they have three two or three power, are the next most relevant. I guess the Golgari one's good because in a pinch it can trade off as a, a blocker or whatever, and it kind of has pseudo evasion with Death Touch. Like sometimes your opponent's just not going to block it. So I mean, I think those are all all pretty close. I but I do think the blue white one is my favorite, if only because it has evasion built right into it.
2: So then, Greg, I you're think... saying that the, the, is it one is the worst one?
1: Yes, and I, I'm pretty confident in that, just because like I said, a two one. I don't I don't know how many times you're ever actually gonna get to loot with that. I not think many. it's a
0: decent comparison to say that the Selesnia one is like a treetop village and the Azorius one is like a fairy conclave. Yeah. And I I prefer the village myself. So. No, the village had
1: trample, though this
0: does not. Yeah, I know, it's not it's not exact, it's not and village, conclave yeah. was slightly worse, so it's definitely skewed a little differently, but I like the three three.
2: But the conclave and the Treetop village were far and away the best lands out of that cycle yes yes yeah. everything else sucks
0: I think it's the same here. I mean the, the Rakdos one's pretty similar to the Slesnia, but I think the two toughness is gonna matter
2: yeah, me too
1: With that said, we've been going for almost two hours. What do you guys say we wrap up wrap up the show
0: wrap it one up. question before okay. we wrap it up um, let's let's uh, say which guild or yeah which guild we we like the most.
2: Oh, like that's, a, the most. that's a good one. Why don't you start us off, Spencer? Uh, the Guild I like the most, just in general or for the pre release?
0: Just for this set, I mean.
2: In general. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably go with Golgari because of the potential for getting extra value and, you know, trading your creature on the board and pumping something else and kind of getting a, a 1.5 for 1 or a 2 for 1 I think is very important in limited formats.
0: All right, Jeff, what do you say? I like Celesnia. Uh Yeah, we both, me and Spencer, picked the dirtily slow ones. But yeah, I like the populate mechanic. I, I when I first when we were first going through this, uh, and I was like, populate feels like the worst mechanic. But then they spoiled all kinds of three three tokens and two two vigilance and one one flying. I don't know. I'm gonna enjoy populating those sweet tokens.
2: You love tokens. That was like your first EDH deck. Was a token green white EDH deck. I do
0: love tokens that's just a value, in. man.
2: You like tokens you like gaining life every time you cast a spell. Who doesn't? I
0: choose five color.
2: <laughs>
0: Can I do that? It's not a thing. No? No.
2: Why not? Well, I mean, that's that's a good question. Like, that's how prevalent, I mean, five color uh, how, was, how was totally a thing in, in, uh, in shards. You just, you know, you just oh, pick yeah. all the mana fixing first and then just pick the best cards that you get I in any the, color after that. I think the fixing here
1: is worse, but with that said, I'm gonna be first picking transguild promenades like a crazy person.
2: There's no, there's no tri lands. No. no, no, yeah. No, yeah. no.
1: I think you, for the most part, your decks are gonna be two colors with one color somewhat splashed or like one like kind of lesser color. Uh, and and occasionally, if your mana fixing is really good and if you're green, you'll be able to dip into like a fourth or fifth color occasionally. But I think for the most part, you're gonna see three color decks. Uh, I think green is the most well set up to have four colors because of the uh, the X-Bane Guardian, the defender that can tap <laughs> for any color, and because of just the generic land searching. Um, so with that said, like I think Golgari is probably my favorite of the guilds in a vacuum because, one, it, it has access to that green fixing and also because I like the other guilds that it pairs with the most. Like, I like the idea of a Golgari-Radko's deck and a Golgari-Selesnya deck. Um, I think Rakdos is my second favorite, because I, I, for the same reasons, like, it it pairs with the other two, or, like, seems to pair with its two, like, shared guilds
2: the best. So you kind of look at this in terms of... Versatility and how well you're going to play with other colors, as opposed to just the power level of the guild itself. Right.
1: If any, if you ask me which guild had like was the most powerful, I might say Azorius, because I think that the Detain keyword is very, very strong, and that flyers. Yeah, it's the most evasive color in a, in a format of really dirtily guys. Dirtle, dirtle. Yeah. So, but I, I mean, I... I I don't really know anything yet. None of us do. I I just think. The analysis oh, I, I, we've I know done. everything. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, I do have a feeling that Izzet and Selesnya will be and, and Azorius will be a little underrated at first because everybody's going to want to play with removal, removal spells.
0: Yeah. I could see that. Um, so, but I do want to say that I'm very much looking forward to this set. I think this is going to be a good one.
1: Every podcast we talk about it you say that too.
0: <laughs> I know, but now that we actually have a set in front of me, this is the first time on a podcast that I've seen every card.
1: And yeah, don't sit, don't hey, sit, I endorse this set. Yourself, Jeff. What did you guys sign up for at, at your pre-releases?
0: Oh, I haven't signed up.
1: Oh, I, are you are you gonna do one, Jeff?
0: I don't. I need to find out because I can't go on Saturday if they're doing a Sunday flight.
1: Oh not. right. Well, if you do play, what guild are you gonna choose? Celestia. So, 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 Celestia. How about you, Spencer?
2: I did. Is it for my Saturday flight because I think the pre-release card is the best one of the five. I think I did Golgari for my second one. I don't remember, though. Might have done Azorius. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, I, I picked Rakdos for the Saturday, and I haven't picked one for Sunday, but I'm leaning towards uh, Azorius or Selesnia. I kind of want to get both ends of the spectrum there, because I have a feeling I'm going to either play black, red, blue, or black, red, green. So, I, I, yeah, I don't know. We'll see.
0: Did Did you guys notice that all three of us picked a green guild for our favorite guild? Did is not. green the best color?
1: Mm, I, I'm not ready to say that, but I do think that because it has access to Axe Guardian,
2: it's the most versatile. Yeah. Cool. It'll probably be the same sort of breakdown as it is in historic magic sets. Is, you know, green is good because of fixing, but it's not necessarily the best color. It doesn't have flyers, it doesn't have removal. I think it's going to be pretty well distributed across the colors.
1: Well, the other thing to keep in mind is that there's a lot of fixing that isn't green, too. So it, it becomes mm-hmm. less of a priority in that color, because yeah, you fixing, will have key runes. It's to be twice as
2: important in the set.
1: Yeah, but the fact is, is that you'll be able to pick up the guild gates, the key runes, the trans guild promenades to fix your mana. You don't necessarily need to be a green deck to have access to mana fixing. This is true. So, yeah. Anyway, I think that does it for this week's episode. Thank you all for listening. If you'd like to email us, our email address is eastwestdraftcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to talk at us on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at ewdraftcast. Jeff, what's your Twitter handle?
0: At Jeff EWDC.
1: How about you, Spencer?
2: At Spence Harris.
1: So Spence without the R. No R. <laughs> so and you already had that one. You can search us up on Facebook or go to facebookcom ewdraftcast and we have a website eastwestdraftcast.com. Check all of these things out. Give us any feedback. Uh, ask us any questions if you ha- if you want to know about a specific card from the set, if you want us to evaluate that. In particular, on the next episode, we'll be happy to get to it. Uh, the more feedback we get, the better. And other than that, I don't have a whole lot. I'm also very excited for Ravnica. Looking forward to the pre-release more so than any pre-release in a long time. So this should be a good time. Going to be fun. All right. <laughs> <laughs> wow what a boring sign off this is like <laughs> yeah so we talked about all the cards now what i don't know we we all need to go get a cup of coffee or something maybe it's just too early i know it's not too early for jeff but oh it is Sorry, i'm hungover oh boy oh boy oh, party party animal well, I hold guess on. Out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> bye everyone yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: I'm sorry. Mine I is feeling great.
2: want to rip it off my face.